A word for today, Lions Down's daily podcast to help you abide in Jesus by seeing to it that his word abides in you. Nothing could matter more. This isn't to replace your personal Bible reading and prayer, but rather encourage and help you in it. Good day. It's Friday the 18th of December. We've been looking at the opening verses of Matthew's Gospel, seeing how epic they are, how significant a passage this is. You'll remember it presented a list of names that's been broken down into three stylized groups of names. Um, Firstly, Abraham to David. Secondly, David to the deportation. And thirdly, the deportation to the person of Jesus Christ. And we saw yesterday how this is presenting to us not a genealogy, as the translation of verse 1, I believe, wrongly suggests, but actually a message about the new creation that is to be brought about by Jesus Christ. In opening the New Testament, God, as he opened the Old Testament in talking about how the creation was brought about, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, so in the New Testament he is starting that with a statement about what everything is heading towards. What a fitting and brilliant way to open the New Testament, to point to the very end. And uh, we are going to look at the very end now as we go to the book of Revelation, chapter 20, and I'm going to read to you now verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. Now that is a description of the judgment at the end of time by Jesus Christ. He is the one seated on the great white throne. This is his pure and perfect judgment throne. And it's the occasion, it'll be the most public occasion of all kind. Everyone who has ever lived will be there and will be judged by him and consigned to an eternal, unchangeable destiny. But the interesting thing to notice is that the second sentence of verse 11 said this, from his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. It's describing the dissolution of our universe. It's not just a temporary phenomenon. This is the disappearance of the universe, which is why when we get to the next chapter of Revelation, chapter 21, It begins, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There's sadly a great reluctance in evangelicalism today to believe in this new creation. And I guess the problem often exists in those who have a problem with the old creation. But it's quite clear from the words of the Bible and, for example, from uh, from 2 Peter chapter 3, that this creation is going to pass away. It's going to be dissolved. It will, quite literally, as the words of verse 1 of chapter 21 say, it will pass away. And it will be replaced by another creation, a different creation, a new creation. And that's what Matthew chapter 1 is pointing us towards. Now, how does it point us towards that? We've seen, firstly in the person of Abraham, that begins the first group of names, verses uh, 2 to 6, it was promised in Abraham. So God's promise to Abraham, before he was renamed Abraham in Genesis, was that through him would come a blessing to the whole earth. 
a blessing that we could hardly be expected to conceive if we'd lived at that time that would be a new earth, a new creation. But that's actually to what God is referring. Secondly, we saw in that second chunk of names in uh, chapter 1 of Matthew, that's from uh, the second half of verse 6 through to verse 11, it was pictured in the rule of David, the kingdom of God, ruled over by one whose throne, that means whose line, a line that was to lead to Jesus Christ, would be established forever in the words of God. But also emphasized in this passage is a problem, and the problem is that of sin. I referred earlier in, uh, in an earlier podcast to the fact that many of the kings, about half of the kings named in the second group between David and the deportation, were bad kings, in some cases very bad kings. But we haven't mentioned the fact that in the first group between Abraham and David, four women are mentioned, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and the wife of Uriah. Now, it has to be said that these are not people who one would be proud of in a family tree under normal circumstances. Uh, Tamar, for example, the first named, is one who disguised herself as a prostitute, uh, sold herself to her father-in-law, Judah, and was impregnated by him. Uh, the second named, Rahab, was, of course, the prostitute who ran the brothel in Jericho, not exactly somebody you would want to boast about in your family tree if you had one. And uh, the third one is Ruth, who was uh, actually a wonderful woman, but she was a Moabitess. She came from a uh, group of people, a nation that was under the curse of God. And then the last one seems needlessly provocative. It describes David as the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. Now, that's not exactly true in the uh, plain sense because when Solomon was conceived and born, uh, the wife of Uriah had become the wife of David. But do you see what the writer is doing? By referring to her as the wife of Uriah, He's reminding the reader of the most one of the most disgraceful episodes in the whole Old Testament, where the wife of one of David's gallant officers was seduced by David while he was away on a campaign, and uh, who was subsequently murdered by David to cover over his tracks when he discovered that he'd made the wife of this officer pregnant. So do you see, the writer's gone out of his way, in effect, to kind of be embarrassing, to point out that grave sin characterized uh, this work, and that's followed by the inclusion of the wicked kings. So we look at these lists, and we see that there is a great problem. Yes, it was this new creation was promised in Abraham. Yes, it was pictured in David, but the whole material, um, material is suffused in sin. It's soaked in serious wrongdoing, which is why we have the deportation, which is the next stage. That's what begins the third chunk, the deportation to Jesus Christ. The deportation was, of course, the Babylonian exile, which pictures the judgment of God upon the sin of his people, a judgment that he kept warning his people about. 
but eventually there was no remedy. It was a dreadful judgment, and it descended upon them. And that pictures the final judgment of Jesus Christ, of which we've just read in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. The judgment at which this universe will be dissolved. And uh, what it's teaching us is this. Yes, the new creation was promised in Abraham and pictured in David, but it will be preceded by judgment, the last judgment of Jesus Christ, at which everybody will be held accountable for the lives they've lived. And the only escape will be that provided by the person of Jesus Christ himself. And that is what uh, this passage is teaching us too, that there is a judgment coming, a judgment that will be presided over by the person of Jesus Christ, a judgment that, when complete, will lead for God's people into the new creation, that the description of which begins in Revelation chapter 21. We'll come back to this important material tomorrow. Heavenly Father, these are epic truths you are teaching us about the person of Jesus Christ, the one in whom uh, your new creation will be brought about. We thank you that it was both promised and pictured in history, and we thank you too for this serious warning that it will be preceded by judgment. Please help us to understand this. Please help us to share this message with others as we live it out in our own lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A word for today, helping you abide in Jesus by seeing to it that his word abides in you. This podcast was brought to you by Lionsdown at lionsdown.org.